0: We are live from the Empire of Lies. A bastion of free speech and good discussion in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. By the way, Rod, had you heard we were a bastion?
1: (laughs) I did hear that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty good news. I've got some other good news, but let's talk about what's on the show today. In the first hour, we have Addie Ads, EC citizen journalist who spent so much time covering the Epstein trial down outside the courtroom as Ghislaine Maxwell. I called it the Epstein trial, but really, you know, I'm acting like she was Mrs. Epstein. Effectively, she was. But this Ghislaine Maxwell trial, Addie Ads was there. And now he's been in Georgia, covering election
1: malfeasance,
0: and apparently he's found some. Right, Rod?
1: Yeah, and we had uh, Donald Trump, I think he emailed it out this morning or yesterday. He emailed it about uh, this uh anomalies in this uh, election and the vote count. And we'll be talking
0: about that, and hopefully Brave will be listening and he can get to the bottom of some of this too. But... Brave should try to find Eddie Ads. I I don't know why, but you know, hopefully he'll do some nice. Maybe he can take him to the Varsity. Do you know what the Varsity is, Broad? No. Is that a restaurant? It's a famed restaurant in Atlanta, and it's it's not that great. I've been there. It's not that great, but it's very popular. It's been around forever. The Varsity. Of course, you could go to Waffle House with Daddy in the middle of the night. That'd be cool, too. But then in the second hour, we are honored to have our friend Tyler Nixon joining us. And, Rod, tell me the name of the show. I don't remember.
1: You are listening to The Backstory. Now, of course, the U.S. is going to be sending advanced
0: missile systems to Ukraine— And that could cause a conflict, and and Russia's being upfront about it. They're saying that they're watching what is done with these weapons, because if they're used against Russia, the supplier of the weapons, that's us, might be held accountable, whatever that means. But I don't think it sounds good. Does the rod?
1: No, Lee, it doesn't. And uh, we just had today the head of the U.S. cyber, cyber command admit that they've been uh, on, uh, committing offensive attacks against Russia from Ukraine. So um, I think we're really well, not us, not me and you, and a lot of people calling it, but you know the people in charge unfortunately are really egging on Russia to do to do something to us, which will, you know, we're already facing all types of shortages and inflation and all the. I mean, what if they inflict a similar type of. Uh, cyber offensive on us that uh, shuts down right. some type of major infrastructure.
0: And obviously these missiles coming at a point in the war when Russia's clearly winning means its objectives. Russia is not meeting the objectives of the New York Times, however. But World War III potentially beckons. Therefore, the big news, of course, is the Johnny Depp-Amber Heard trial. Right, you've heard that the verdict came in. The jury has spoken, and unlike the Eli- them the the Sussman trial, that Durham brought, it's a good thing Durham wasn't prosecuting. It's a good thing Durham wasn't Johnny Depp's lawyer. I don't think it would have worked
1: out as well. Do you? No. no. I, again, I saw this guy in action. He's very milk toast. He's very laid back. He was even helping. The uh, the defense team with uh, paperwork. I saw there that I guess she was missing some paperwork. One of the lawyers for the um, suspect's defense team, and he handed her some paperwork. I mean, you, I know you're not adversaries, like you guys hate each other, but you shouldn't be helping out the defense team. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 one approach, uh, aggressive, m- more aggressive approach. And I don't know what this means, but we have breaking fake news, Rod. Vladimir Zelensky, the head of Ukraine has accused Russian Foreign Minister Sergey Lavrov of pooping in his bed. I'm not sure what that means, but that's breaking fake news. And by the way, Lavrov says is not his poop. his poops are bigger. so he believes it belongs to a dog or something. So I'm a little confused on that. but the, 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 uh, so I will talk about the the death verdict for a second. This has been going on. I think the trial has been going on. If I'm not mistaken, it's 34 years. Does it is, it is that the amount of time?
1: No, it's been like it's been like a month, but it has been going on a while. It's been going on a while.
0: It's been going on a long time. It feels like 34 years, you know. But he, this is, and this is a second trial for him. He had a defamation case in England. You heard about that. And that didn't go so well for Johnny Depp, but under American justice, the person who's more famous wins. I think that's the rule. And there were some charges. It was one of those things where she was countersuing for defamation, and she won some of what she won, but he won more. Are you getting that impression, Rod? That they both are winners, but Amber Heard was found, since she has no celebrity anyway, that he couldn't defame her. He couldn't hurt her. And have you seen Elon Musk and others, Joe Rogan, they've suggested that Johnny Depp be put back in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies.
1: No, I missed that part. It was, so I guess he, because of this case, he was excluded from it. They didn't want to do any more movies with him.
0: Okay, well, that's what I was going to say. So I, I don't know much about that. The, the, the Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movies where he was playing Black Jack Sparrow, a character that he based on Rolling Stones guitarist Keith Richards. And he said that. He's been up front. He based his character on Keith Richards. It was, it was his dad in the movie. Right. And which is, which I think is great. But uh, uh they made a bunch of sequels. And I guess they stopped including Johnny at a certain point in the sequels. By the way, I guess since we're talking pop culture, did you by any chance see the new Tom Cruise Top Gun movie?
1: Uh no, but you know uh, a lot of people have been saying it's really good. So you know, you know, a lot of these remakes and continuations from 20 years later, they never turn out good. But I guess this one's good, so I'm gonna check it out. Yeah.
0: So by the way, the one of the best things, go into YouTube and type in in the search engine "Top Gun," Quentin Tarantino, gay. And that is a monologue that Quentin Tarantino did in the movie where he was saying that the hidden meaning behind Top Gun is just a secret. It's about trying to urge Tom Cruise to be gay. Have you seen that monologue?
1: <laughs> no, that's the, no, I never heard of that, but I'll have to check it out. That's fun. That sounds funny.
0: It, it's, it's the best. And it's funny because it's true. He points out. That Kelly McGillis represents heterosexuality, and that she shows up at his place, and they take a shower, and then they don't have sex. And then the next scene, Kelly McGillis is dressed like a guy, and that was her way of ensnaring him. And also, that the last line of the film, you remember what the last line of the film was Top Gun."
1: No, I haven't seen a wildly. I can't. I can't remember. This was a Stay Frosting. Um,
0: it's. It's, you can ride my tail anytime. The meaning is obvious, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. But it's it's a great, it's a very enjoyable monologue. But the Johnny Depp thing, I'm not joking. This is where our culture is. My phone blew up so much on the Johnny Depp verdict, right? I got about 20 alerts. Meanwhile, World War III could have started and I would have gotten three alerts. And two of them would have been saying, we're waiting for Johnny Depp verdict. Did your phone blow up, Rod?
1: Yeah, Lee. Yeah. You know, I, I never followed any of this. I still don't know. I guess we can ask Tyler, because he's an attorney, why this case was in Virginia to begin with since they live in California. So I don't know how, you know, why did it even end up there?
0: It's a good question. Maybe Tyler does know. You're right. He's a J.D. and a deadhead. But – The other stuff, I'll talk about the missiles at length in a second. But the other thing is, have you noticed the Valley mass shooting story? Is now I don't like it when people say it's just I don't like it. When they say about a story, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And they say it early immediately. But this story doesn't make sense. Have you noticed that? So many things. For instance, the fact that the cops waited an
1: hour to go in—how bizarre is that? That's one of the strangest things. And then them holding back the parents, you know, and then the border, the border patrol agent having to be the one that goes in, you know. Um, then I, you know, I've seen on Twitter. I don't know if if you've been seeing this. I saw uh, Pedro. I think his last name Gonzales, uh, I forget his last name, but Pedro put out this uh, map of a flight that went over Valde. Uh, around the same time that nobody seems to want to talk about, so I don't, I don't know how exact that is, but that's what I've been seeing. So.
0: Well, have you heard that the police chief, apparently the one who made the decision for officers to stand down a little bit, he was secretly sworn in as a member of the Uvalde City
1: Council? Have you heard that? Yeah, I saw that this morning. And it just, it just adds to the. It just adds to this whole situation. And then, you know, if you even ask questions, people start calling you conspiracy theorists and, you know, all these other things. So, but yeah, Yeah. I've been seeing all all these strange things around this.
0: And the last thing, and it came out today, had you heard that the teachers propped open the door to school, those dumbasses? You'd heard that, right, Rod? It's the damn teachers propped open the door.
1: I saw that over the weekend. I didn't. Know, I didn't uh, verify it, but I did see that circulating over the weekend.
0: Well, now it's not true. It turns out the teachers didn't prop them in the door. That's what they're saying today. So think about that. Another story, a significant story, was completely wrong. So a lot about the this story doesn't add up. I think that's fair to say, and that's no conspiracy theory. Right, Rod?
1: Yeah, 100%. And like I said, people start calling you conspiracy theory if you ask, start asking questions about any of this.
0: Now, speaking of conspiracy theory, I got I talked about this on the show yesterday. That I said yesterday when we had Jason Goodman co-hosting, and that I would love to have David Icke, researcher, lecturer, on the show. And he's often called a conspiracy theorist. You've heard that. Former British football player David Ike, right? That's how he gets introduced. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So I got word from David Ike's office yesterday that he's agreed to be on the show. And I am super psyched. And I told him you'd be in touch, Rod. You saw that note, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, I saw that right after the show yesterday and I was I was actually a little surprised. So yeah, it's going to be uh it's going to be great.
0: Yeah, so it's about 3 weeks on the 20th. We're going to do a pre taped interview. and uh, so I could not be more thrilled about this. David Ike will be on the backstory. And I you know, I said yesterday one question I would have about him: Is he a fan of British Zen blues philosopher Alan Watts? And someone on Twitter told me they'd heard Ike mention Alan Watts before. I've never heard that. But I'm yeah, I've heard you, it as
1: well.
0: Yeah. It, it, if if you know Alan Watts' philosophy, and I do, I'm a fan. I've been listening to Alan Watts for how old am I now? I don't want to think. But about 30 years, I've been listening to Alan Watts. If you know Alan Watts' philosophy, certain things that David Icke says are reminiscent of things Alan Watts has said. But I still, I don't make any assumptions. And so I was going to ask him about that, and I will. But I decided the way I'm going to approach Alan Watts. Do you know what I'm going to do, Rod? David Icke. Yes, I'm sorry if I misspoke. I'm, when, I, when I talk to David Icke, do you know what my approach is going to be? I'm going to run by him my theory of the universe. You've heard me talk before about how power works in the world. And a lot of what I think is based on David Ike. And this goes back to the 19th century and people like Cecil Rhodes and the birth of Zionism and the effect that Rhodes and Zionism have on today's world. Speaking of the Epstein case, where there's direct parallels so i'm gonna run my theory of the world by ike and see what he says i'm gonna to try to do a concise version of it and i would love to because the guy knows a lot hear what he thinks and have him correct me if i'm incorrect does that make sense
1: yeah no it'll be definitely interesting to have david ike on and hear what he says about uh, how you look at uh, how power works
0: yes and how power works Specifically in regard to the Ukraine war and RussiaGate, and I like to talk about Mikhail Kordakoski all the time and Bill Browder and people that no one talks about. Still, he knows nobody else mentions Kordakoski. I'm the only one who talks about Kordakoski.
1: Yeah, he's been a regular. He's been a regular on CNN since the uh, military operation in Ukraine has uh, started.
0: He shows up. But no one's saying he's right at the center of Russiagate because he's right at the center of the Magnitsky Act and because it connected to the Rothschilds. Mikhail Khodorkovsky gave the controlling interest in his shares in Yuko's oil, which is a company right at the center of Russiagate that no one ever talks about. It, it ties into the power structure of the world. And no one talks about that. But I'm going to try to run some of that stuff by David Icke when I talk to him and see what he says. And so I'm looking forward to that. That's coming in about three weeks.
1: Hey Lee, now, uh, you know, uh, David Icke shows up on Alex Jones, and uh, Alex Jones was just on uh, Mike Tyson's uh, YouTube show called Hotbox, Box, and, and they had to take it down from YouTube because they pressured his, uh, I guess his company and stuff like that so that the episode with Mike Tyson and Alex Jones is – not available on YouTube at the moment. Uh, so I don't know what they're going to do with that.
0: Now, see if you can get Mike Tyson on the show, Rod. That's your next guest goal. Can you get Mike Tyson? Because you can tell him we've had Alex Jones on this show. And not only that, when we had Alex Jones on the show, we were doing Shots of vodka. You remember hearing that?
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, with uh, Garland. Yeah, I remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Alex was in the studio doing shots of vodka on Radio Sputnik when he's a guest. And I think that might impress Mike. I actually would be very interested in talking to Mike. Would you? I know I know you're certain types of fighting. I would say Mike Tyson, because mixed martial arts, does that involve, I don't know much about mixed martial arts, I'll be honest. Does it involve ear biting? <laughs> no, 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 no ear biting. Too bad. Because Mike Tyson is the goat of air biting, would you say? The greatest of all time.
1: Yeah, Vander Holyfield would uh I don't think he would uh be too happy to agree with you, but yeah. Yeah, but
0: but he'd have to. So let's see if you can get Mike on the show. But anyway, we're really excited. David Icke coming. Now let me talk about the missile systems. There's been a lot of back and forth. First, Biden you know Biden seems only semi-aware of what the Biden administration is doing. He often oh, announces yeah, yeah. things that are in conflict with the Biden administration. What were you saying, Ron?
1: No, I was, gonna, I was totally agreeing with you. He doesn't I, – I would, I would say he only knows what he's told to say, and then when he goes off track, he's corrected by everybody else uh, on, the media, you know, on the media.
0: So they're sending these medium to long range missions to Ukraine. Advanced, supposedly, advanced missiles. And at first, when people from Russia, I believe, uh, Putin spokesman and others said, "Watch out, because if those missiles are used against Russian targets, we will target command posts, command central, and." Not all of the command centrals are in Ukraine. I would say that's a threat. Wouldn't you run? Maybe a warning if you want to not use the word threat.
1: Uh no, I'll, I'll go with threat because I don't I think Russia's done playing, especially now that they're sending these long-range missiles. I think they're I think they're done playing.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And I'm not I'm not saying it's bad as a threat, but Biden came out then the next day and said, no, no, we're not going to send those long-range missiles. And that wasn't Biden administration policy, because they're sending them. Then Blinken, our Secretary of State, came out this morning and said, well, Ukraine has assured us they won't use the missiles against Russian targets. And now all the media is reporting that dutifully. Here's the question. What What is Ukraine doing now? Who are they targeting now? They're already targeting R- Russian villages near Donbass. You've heard that, right? Patrick Lancaster reported that. So they're already using their missiles to target Russian targets. And you know what else they target? Obviously, civilians. If you watch Patrick Lancaster's videos, he posted a video from Kursan today, a middle-aged man who's Mother and father were killed by a cluster bomb. And these cluster bombs aren't used against civilian targets because they're hiding Russian weapons. Right, Rod? You've seen that. That's just civilian targets.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, I saw a, uh, a picture of a mother who was cooking for her kids and uh, the bomb hit her and she was dead in the stairwell of her apartment. And so, yeah, it's, it's sick. And it's, it's sick that we our, our taxpayer money is helping uh, to, to fund this. Uh, you know, I call it a genocide. I know you, sometimes you don't call it genocide, but I call it genocide.
0: Well, I I would say it's got some of the earmarks as a genocide because it's being done for ethnic reasons. They're targeting people because they're Russian speakers and they've been targeting them for eight years, right? And Ukraine sometimes says, well, "No, it's a genocide against us." No, it's not. You know also saw Mariupol. Again, I've said this before, but if you want to know the truth, consider that Russians are in control of Mariupol, right? hundred percent. They control Correct. every inch of Mariupol, right? Correct. So. So if Russia was targeting civilians in Mariupol, they have a free shot right now. They could line them up against buildings and shoot them dead, right? Nothing is stopping Russia from going on a rampage and killing civilians. Yet, what's happening in Mariupol?
1: Well, it's been
0: liberated. And do you know what's going on? Construction. They're reconstructing a the city, and I I saw a video of construction. And 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 do you think if there was any widespread slaughter in Mariupol, the media would not cover? I'll put it like this: if there was one civilian killed in revenge, the media would be all over that, right? They oh, would yeah, go
1: one hundred percent. They go crazy,
0: right? Russia. If the narrative about Russia that the U.S. and the U.K. and Ukraine were telling were true, and that the Ukrainian forces were defending Mariupol, defending what? You're gone. Ukrainians are gone, and now the city is being reconstructed, and there's no reports of rampages against civilians. And we we talked about it yesterday yesterday. When we had John Mark Dugan on as a guest, we talked about the video footage, and I've seen it. Civilians in Kursan are buying SIM cards for their phones. Those bastards, the Russians! How dare they let people have cell service? It just shows. And on the other hand, civilians. And in civilians in Russia, some of the attacks have been happening in Russia. What they mean is they're pretty sure that Kiev won't launch an attack against Moscow. Because one thing, these missiles aren't long-range enough to reach Moscow. But I actually saw someone dumb enough this morning on social media saying Russia said, If there's any attacks on Russia, they they imply that they may engage with American targets. And the person basically said, bring it on. Do you feel confident after Afghanistan, the Biden-led military should say to anyone, bring it on? Should the military say to Mike Tyson,
1: bring it on? I think no. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Did Did you see the picture today that they released of the full metal jacket? Poster with the uh, celebration for you know Pride, Gay Pride, with the with the colored bullets. No. Yeah, you should check that out. So yeah.
0: And I'm sure not was not my friend Vivian Kubrick, her father was Stanley Kubrick's, and Vivian did the soundtrack for not the soundtrack, the score for Full Metal Jacket. I'm sure that was not Kubrick's goal. Somehow a Pride poster. And, and Pride Month, are you excited about Pride Month being here, Rod?
1: Um, I don't, but um, here to this being, like, I don't even know when we voted on this or, like, I don't, you know, what is the, the goal of all this? And then, you know, Juneteenth, they just made a national holiday, and in Pride Month. Can you see how that works?
0: <laughs> yeah. Juneteenth, this is the first year that we'll be celebrating Juneteenth as a federal holiday here at Sputnik, which means we won't be on Juneteenth. And how are you planning to celebrate
1: Juneteenth Pride Month, Rod? Um, I'll just probably go to the gym go and grill some food for my kids. That's about it.
0: That's it. And I, I don't understand. Pride Month, you know what people say about Christmas? It's become overly commercialized. Every year, people say Christmas has become overly commercialized. Right, Rod? That's the statement? You've heard it before.
1: Yes, yes. Just like Easter as well, yeah.
0: I would say being gay has become overly commercialized. And I mean it. If you want to be gay, whatever. I don't care. You're not going to stop someone from being gay. It might bite your ear, right? But I'm not saying anything, Mike. Don't back off. But I think it's become overly commercialized. Okay. So when we come back, well, if Addy adds, the great citizen journalist, having put my foolishness on the backstory. The Backstory. 105.5 FM AM 1390 is where you can find us in the in and around the capital of the Empire of Lies, Washington, DC. Joining us right now, Eddie Ads, prolific citizen journalist, and guy who gets a real story. Hey Eddie, how you doing? Hey, Lee, I'm doing great, sir. I'm, I'm glad to hear your, uh, your health is back, and you're doing better
2: than ever, and I'm, I'm glad to be on the show again.
0: Well, my back, my health is nearly back, but thanks. very nice of you to say. I've I, I lived till summer because I, I managed to Memorial Day. That's why I look at it. But, Addy, what have you been on to? I understand you've been down in Georgia. Now, why would you decide to cover that? Because let me say this. You cover the big stories. And if we had a functioning media, a functioning press, you'd have a lot of competition. When you were covering the Epstein story, that the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, that I thought was one of the biggest stories in the country. But you didn't see a lot of journalists down there, did you?
2: No, I really didn't. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really an eye-opener, even for someone like me who, who knows principally mostly independent journalists. It was still... I' uh, still a bit of a shocker to see the, the lack of coverage and really the lack of knowledge of the, the bigger picture there.
0: No, it's true. And Andrew Breitbart and I used to talk about this. And he used to say the kind of stories he's, he and I were interested in were stories that the mainstream media is not covering. And he said the advantage is you have the field all to yourself, right? Because if you were covering the Johnny Depp trial or something like that, you couldn't get near the place, right? You have to stand behind five satellite trucks. But what – and the reason I'm saying it's risky, a lot of journalists, people have talked about – just people, not even journalists – talking about the fact that there might have been election fraud has gotten them banned from social media. So it's risky in that sense. No one beats you up. They'll just throw you off. They might beat you up. I don't know. But – They'll throw you off social media. You knew the risk going into this, right, Eddie? Yeah, yeah, I did, and uh, it. So far, it's paid
2: off. I mean, I've really seen my numbers grow. Uh, really, it, it's still YouTube that I have the the trouble with uh, the censorship. But uh, yeah, it's it's always a risk.
0: So, what made you what what made you focus on Georgia? What was your initial inspiration for covering a story?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a good
2: question, Lee, because uh I was doing this uh, independently uh a couple of years ago in in the 2020 election aftermath. I was there for several weeks. Uh, I I got connected with a very generous patron and someone who uh, is, you know, very active in Georgia politics and wanted to to get to the bottom of things as far as 2020 went and we ended up breaking a couple big stories. Uh one of them was the Harrison deal death and James O'Sullivan death that followed. Uh, um, Even uh, the people I met on this bus tour, I just went on with John Fredericks, a radio show host. Uh, many of them knew the story, but they, they didn't know where it came from. And I think I mentioned it before on your show, that video got taken down in two days, and it was it was well on a way to, to probably 100,000 views by the end of the week. But people reposted the video, so uh, the word got out. And then the other big home run was this uh, ballot trafficking story, which uh, I don't know if I should unofficially take – credit for coining that term or not, but I probably shouldn't because I'm sure it was in in the lexicon before. And the only reason I I bring that up is because I saw some, uh, some liberal media outlet uh, call it an alt-right, Term recently because of the the 2000 Mules documentary that came out uh, that actually featured Heather Mullins who uh, really helped me uh, a bit during that time period that I was there initially in Georgia covering those those stories uh, and uh, that was uh, really the, the groundwork for me uh, that you know I, I had never really covered elections before and, and I was able to break a couple. A couple big stories there and, uh, you know, really with the help of a a network of people uh, like uh, Amber Connor uh, and uh, and George Webb, uh, who uh, really connected me with uh, with the right people and people who knew what was going on. Uh, in uh, in that in that area at the at the time and still do and she's actually uh, Amber Connor speaking of I just wrote a story for the Georgia Star News who I write for now about this uh, Buckhead Public Safety Task Force that was uh, convened for 90 days it released its final report and she uh, Amber Connor is the security chair for the Buckhead Council of Neighborhoods so. Uh, she actually made an appearance uh, in there, and it, it really came full circle. It was really, really bizarre. You know, I was uh, I was in New York and just reaching out to people for work, and uh, 24 hours later I was on a plane to Georgia, and and I, I really realized that I knew a lot a lot, you know, somewhat similar to the Maxwell trial, since you brought it up, Lee, I, I realized I knew a lot more than even a lot of the local, uh, the local journalists and certainly the corporate, uh, the corporate guys that showed up at these events. So, uh, it was really a fantastic, uh, experience touring, uh, with, with John Fredericks and, uh, you know, an unfortunate result though, with, uh, Kemp taking the lead, uh, which speaking of Emerald Robinson, her piece on her sub stack just got uh, shared out by Donald Trump yesterday. Yesterday. Uh, I was just on Emerald's show uh, for a similar topic, well, the same topic, election fraud, but that was for the uh, the 2020 election. Her piece was on this primary that just happened, and uh, how it, it is a bit uh, suspicious, I think it, it is safe to say at this point, how, how easily Raffensperger and, and Kemp won, and really all the incumbents, uh, with the exception of uh, some of the Trump-endorsed, candidates like Herschel Walker uh for, for states uh for Senate and then Jake Evans uh forced a runoff with Rich McCormick who I, I kind of see as very much of a war hockey neocon in the sixth congressional district, uh which is a new district uh, after after redistricting here. So uh yeah the really the start though Lee to answer your question it was it was twenty twenty and that just trying to figure out what happened on uh on November third and fourth and, and the weeks that followed.
0: And so you see Georgia's—now, Brian Kemp, uh, for my own reasons, I don't trust Brian Kemp at all. And it's because of my reporting on Russiagate. Uh, His state's voting systems were scanned on election night. And the woman who scanned them working with the DHS was Alexandra Sharupa. She admitted that. She talked about it on her Facebook page. She scanned state's voting systems with the DHS. And later, and if you're trying to convict her, you have a basically a confession. She admitted it on, right on her Facebook page. But Brian Kemp backed off that story. And I've talked to other reporters down there. Do you get, do you trust Brian Kemp as far as you can throw him at a, I, I don't. And I probably can throw him
2: a little further than other governors. He's actually not a, not a, not a very big guy. He's, he's about my size, believe it or not. In, uh, speaking of, you know, the power thing, uh, Raffensperger actually, uh, is, is, uh, in the context of elections, the uh, more powerful, uh, in many ways, because the, the state, uh, the secretary, uh, holds control uh, of the process. So, you know, uh, both those guys are really, really interesting. Uh, Mike Lindell, I talked to him on the tour. He called them the triple crown of crime. Uh, Those two, and then their AG, who also won, the incumbent uh, Chris Carr. His nickname among uh, uh, Republican dissidents is Chris Do-Nothing Carr. So uh, really uh, really quite a trio there with those uh, election villains uh, in Georgia.
0: Now, I want you to go back because you said the word death. With a couple of people. You mentioned a couple of stories that involve people's deaths. Tell those, recap those stories. Yeah, it's becoming, uh, I'm realizing, a bit of a local, uh, I don't know what
2: what the word would be. Uh, You know, the locals know about it uh, for sure. Uh, And that's uh, Harrison Deal's death. He was the boyfriend of Lucy Kemp, who is the daughter of Brian Kemp. Uh, And he was also the aide to to Kelly Loeffler, who was one of the Republican senators ousted in that January 5th runoff uh, in 2021, uh, which also saw the sheriff uh, lose power for the first time in a long time. Ted Jackson, who actually made an appearance in my ballot trafficking story, started his career uh, at the FBI, much like Grady Judd, the FBI connection there. But, uh, yeah, back to deal. He uh, was uh, in, in many people's contention killed in a car bombing or car explosion that seemed quite targeted. Uh, it happened, I believe, a day or two. I think it was might have been the next day after uh, Kemp called for a signature audit of the election. Very late, I, I might add. It was it was weeks after. Uh, I believe it was the first week of December, if I remember correctly. I think I released the report on. The, it was either the fourth or the fifth at like two in the morning or two thirty in the morning. Uh, and, and by the time I woke up, it had gotten, you know, like several thousand views. Um, and then that what followed was this GBI agent, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, James O'Sullivan, who was found dead in his home, Uh, To my knowledge, and I'm still going to follow up on this, I should have some time next week because it's more of a a pet project now uh, than anything, but something that there's still demand for. No autopsy released uh, for him, who was uh, the suspected uh, investigator in charge uh, of that accident, uh, because the GBI basically investigates or at least looks at, uh, you know, car accidents and, and, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, I guess it falls within their jurisdiction, but... Still no cause of death given. He was found dead at home. To me, it seemed like a very healthy guy. He was a fast riser in the police force uh, in Georgia. I believe it was Pooler Parkway uh, p- p- police force uh, before he, he got uh, promoted or transitioned to a, a GBI agent. So those were the two deaths there were Harrison Deal and then James O'Sullivan. And Deal, uh, I want to add, he was, a, he was a pretty young lad. He was, uh, I think, 21 or 22 at the time of, of death
0: and 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 some of this, Georgia itself is a very contended state. It's got some aspects that would make it a good democratic state, for instance, and some what do you, do you view Georgia as truly a purple state now, or do you think it's still largely a red state with some areas of democratic control? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a similarity I see with with other
2: battleground states, uh, like uh, a bit like New York, but I would say even closer to my home state of Wisconsin, where you have Madison and Milwaukee being blue, and especially Madison being really blue. You know, some people call it Portland light. And then really the rest of the state is red. Uh, And and very similar in Georgia, you have Atlanta, which is, you know, just a, a geopolitical powerhouse. Uh, which you know tends to go blue and then most of the state uh does go uh red with the, with the exception of DeKalb County there's been kind of a a resurgence from the Republicans there recently I believe it's the second biggest county it's it's one of the top 3 biggest uh DeKalb County uh Georgia and it tends to go slightly blue but it it looks like that's tipping back the other way now uh with this Republican turnout but again this is uh Uh, you know, something to note, too, is uh, many of the Democratic nominees, including Stacey Abrams, uh, went unopposed. So there there was really no primary uh, uh, competition for for much of the incumbent Democrats, whereas in the Republican race was a lot a lot more competitive, a lot more a lot more going on there. But, you know, talking to the people and uh, it really seems that's the case that outside Atlanta, it's really as red as. As can be, but uh, you, you really don't know. You know, Atlanta's got such a, a strong hold over, I think, the populace and the way they view things. Uh, is, you know, and I think the, the racial issue is a big problem as well. Uh, not to mention the crime thing, which I mentioned the Buckhead uh, report. Uh, really, the driving force behind that task force is the increase in crime, most of it transient, which makes it hard to. Hard to prosecute if you have, you know, bandits that come and do a crime randomly in Buckhead and then go go back to wherever they they came from. So that, combined with the, the unrest, with riots and such, really, really has made uh, that issue quite big. You know, Buckhead city movement wanting to secede from uh, Atlanta, and that's headed by Bill White, who actually recently came out with uh, some uh, reporting that there was uh, an affair going on between Jeff Mullis, who's a, uh, uh, a politician from Georgia and another uh, politician, Angelique Moore. So a uh, really a whole lot of drama going on in the, in the Buckhead region uh, who I might add is, is very red compared to the rest of uh, Atlanta and Buckhead is uh, the northernmost fifth uh, of the city uh, residential and business district.
0: And I assume because you got down there on your, on the ground, once people start figuring out who you are and the work you're doing, have a lot of people approach you in a whisper who are like locals who, you know what I'm saying, there's always people who are in the know and they're not well-known people. Well, a lot of times, have there been any whispered meetings late at night at Waffle House for you, Addy?
2: Uh, yeah, there's been a a couple of people talking to me. You know, You know, some people don't want to, uh, be named and such, uh, you know, some people just wanted me to talk about the, talk to me about the the Harrison deal thing, but I did get uh, Joe Rossi, who, uh, whose work in his election integrity group was the basis for a, a letter that Kemp sent in November of last year regarding this, uh, these findings uh, and anomalies uh, within the 2020 uh, election. And that, you know, really re- a request from Kemp to Raffensburger to take a look at it has largely gone, uh, ignored. And, uh, he, uh, sent me this Bax's loaded report, which was previously unreleased. Fulton County didn't know he was in possession of it. And it shows, uh, some 20,000 votes discrepancy between, uh, what was reported and what, uh, was you know apparently the actual count and uh, that was enough to to overturn Fulton County uh, as we know uh, also included was metadata from an email sent from the chief or head of the election board at the time Richard Barron he was since voted down to this guy Ryan Messias, who's a member of the national task force on election Crises, just seven minutes after the batches loaded report uh, was printed and after the secretary of state's office asked Barron, the state election board had to, quote, reconcile uh, the situation, the word used uh, being reconciled. So that, that was actually the report that Emerald Robinson wanted to to talk to me about. I sent it to Jim Hoff, but he didn't publish it. But fortunately, he did publish uh, Garland Favorito's findings as well, uh, a voter GA uh, who, uh, you know, covered uh, s- similar discrepancies with uh, with the poll tapes uh, in uh, in the state of Georgia.
0: Well, I, I want to talk to you about the anomalies in one second. But you mentioned Stacey Abrams. And I'm curious of what people down there, if you've got any inside dope on Stacey Abrams. When I first know her, was remember a few years ago she did the democratic response to say the union address donald trump was president and the say union address she was the democratic response which is a prime time position that's a very important position and stacey abrams was horrible she was a bad speaker and i wondered why this woman was being pushed and it was obvious to me She's being pushed by Democratic insiders for some reason. And then I started hearing about it everywhere. Do people have a sense down there of stay Sabres as someone who's foisted on them?
2: Yes. Yes, I would say so. Uh, uh, I would say so, Lee. I I, I don't know if it's the majority, but I've had a few people talk to me about that. And and I agree. I think that's who they're going to push for 2024. They're going to try to get her in as governor of Georgia. And then they're going to try to try to get her into the White House in in, in 2024, I believe. So, uh, yeah, it does seem like she's, you know, and she is she's the establishment choice. She's running unopposed. And I I think many Georgians just want to see uh, see her defeated, which I think was uh, part of the issue for many Republican voters was who am I going to vote for Purdue or Kemp, Uh, you know, because they're afraid that. You know, maybe Purdue can't beat Abrams, so I might prefer Purdue, but you know, I, I want to make sure Abrams stays stays out. So that's uh, an issue that I think uh, uh, conservative voters had to deal with. But yeah, it's uh, there's no doubt she's going to have a, a good chance uh, to to take the gubernatorial seat in Georgia come uh, come November.
0: Because I I will say she's a southern Kamala Harris, in that the Democrats seem to like pushing inept. Politicians. And Kamala Harris obviously was pushed from inside the party. There was not a mass mandate for her. And Stacey Abrams is being, there's a lot of money being spent on her. And she's a future Democratic insider. And I assume it's because she's compliant. I assume it's because she'll go along with establishment. But she's still got enough outside her credibility, where she sort of seems like she's not an establishment figure. But talk about the anomalies you're talking about, Addie. What sort of anomalies have you found down there in Georgia?
2: Yeah, so uh, Emerald really did a, a great job on her uh, report. As I mentioned, uh, Donald Trump uh, picked it out. The obvious one is just the fact that Trump really has been undefeated in terms of his endorsements. Uh, with a large exception being being Georgia. Most of his losses came in Georgia. And John Fredericks, he made the statement, they want to make an example out of Georgia. As we discussed before, it's so uh, important, you know, Georgia and Ohio uh, for turning the tide, uh, nationally speaking. But at the time of her writing, Trump's record was 92-7. Uh, and seven. and, and uh, again, the only state where his endorsements didn't really seem to count for anything in terms of predictions or results, was was the Peach State. Uh, additionally, Mike Pence, who was criticized by uh, Peter Navarro, who I actually got a chance to interview and talk to for a few minutes uh, in Dunwoody for uh, betraying Trump twice by getting involved uh, in Georgia, they had a rally together with Kemp and Pence. Only 100 people showed up. Uh, but Kemp, nonetheless, won the race with uh, an, an astounding, I would say, 72 Percent of the vote. Uh, additionally, Jody Heiss, as I mentioned, lost uh, to uh, Raffensperger, uh, and you know, the, the really, it was a case study in why Georgia uh, was such an outlier for for that. And, and this is Emerald's contention: is that nobody in any election in America gets 74 uh, percent of the votes. Um, so that's a, a quote from her, uh, the commissioner, insurance commissioner. Uh, John King, who uh, nobody had really heard of, lost to Patrick Whip, who is uh, another uh, Trump endorsement, former player, uh, tight end, I think, for the Saints, I want to say. So uh, he's got an interesting history. But the University of Georgia actually conducted a poll of Republican voters that uh, contradicted uh, what happened and uh, basically finding that uh, in predicting that Trump endorsed candidates were going to win Pretty much everything uh, which happened, as I mentioned, in, in uh, pretty much every other state uh, besides uh, besides Georgia. So uh, the other the other big one, which I, I actually wrote about for the Georgia star, was uh, uh, Butch Miller and then Bert Jones's race. Uh, and, and Jones uh, actually uh, took down Butch Miller for that nomination. That's for lieutenant governor. So that was another win for uh, uh, for Trump there. Uh, but. Uh, you know, just uh, mentioning again, uh, Voter G. A. Garland a uh, report that made it to the Gateway Pundit: 102 Georgia counties couldn't produce Dropbox videos, uh, and consequently, uh, 80 ballots cast uh, were uh, unknown, and there was the video monitoring uh, was missing. For that, uh, over 1.7 million ballot images destroyed. Uh, and Voter GA actually uh, served the state election board with a demand letter uh, to preserve all 2020 data until the litigation uh, is uh, resolved because uh, much data was, was destroyed by various counties uh, across the state, Cobb County being uh, w- uh, one of the principal uh, 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 p- uh, counties responsible for, for the destruction of that, that data.
0: Now, you're down there in Georgia, and with a 70-plus percent voting margin, you must have met some people on the ground who you've talked to, actual people who like Kemp. What do they say to you, people who like Kemp? Because the odds of you not meeting one are astronomical, I would say. People who like Kemp, what do they say about him?
2: Yeah, well, well, we were uh, on the move quite a bit, uh, and often we were interacting with Purdue supporters, but we did meet a, a few Kemp supporters, and they did seem to be most concerned about Stacey Abrams, I think, uh, and making sure that she she stays out because uh, Kemp did defeat her uh, before. And it, it seems to me that the two things that really helped Brian Kemp the most were the fact that he beat Stacey Abrams once before which Purdue can't say or couldn't say and then the fact that he really didn't lock down the state uh in in 2020 and covid um and i, I think those two things really saved saved Brian Kemp uh, uh you know whatever you want to say about that 2018 uh, election uh i think those two things put him over the put him over the edge uh by the margin they report i'm not sure if that's if that's accurate or not, um, you know, but, uh, you know, that that seemed to be the biggest concern for the people I talked to.
0: And Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, who's a great congressman, he recently said something that I thought was very relevant. He said in a primary, you vote for a person. In a general election, you vote for a party. In other words, the reason the Republicans are going to win the governorship it's not the sparkling personality of Brian Kemp. It, if people vote whoever wins the primary is likely gonna win or lose based on a lot of national money. But I thought it was a good point. Addie, great report. Have fun down there. Are you having fun in Georgia? I am. I am Lee. Yeah,
2: it's it's uh it's nice and hot, so I'm getting my tan on and uh yeah, it's it's you know, not uh, a shortage of things to cover here, so I'm really enjoying the piece.
0: Has anyone brought you to the Bar City yet? What's that, Lee? The Bar City? Have you, have you heard of that? It's a restaurant down there, very famous. Ask people to bring you to the Bar City and you'll be underwhelmed. But Eddie adds, great job. When we come back for a short break, we'll have more on the backstory." with the second hour of the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan. This is a backstory. Once again, great to talk to Eddie Ads. Rod, do you like Eddie? I, I like, I, I always like you. He's got a good energy. That's what I'm getting at. By the way, don't suddenly say you hate him. That'll
1: look very bad for you, Rod. Nah, I like Ad- I like Addie, you know obviously, we talk off air when I'm booking the show. No, Addie's Addy's cool, he's Addy's a good guy, and uh, he's doing he's doing honest work and um, he's he's beating the corporate media at, at their own game. You know, he's able to go out there and talk to the people and uh, get real facts instead of made up narratives and stories and all this other stuff
0: and he's obviously having fun. He obviously enjoys the fact that he's in the middle of a lot of excitement and he's getting and, and flying around the country and so on. And I understand that. That is a lot of fun. I've done that before and it can be very exciting. But thanks to that he great appearance. Coming up this hour, our friend Tyler Nixon. And it's always fun when Tyler Nixon makes an appearance on The Backstory. So anyway, have you seen that 2,000 Mules film Addy mentioned?
1: I still haven't seen it. I'm going to check it out this weekend uh, along with uh, Top Gun Maverick.
0: And Top Gun 2,000 Mules is a different film. But Dinesh D'Souza's Top Gun, there's no such thing. But so, you know, what's happening over time is the narrative is falling apart on the 2020 election. Do you agree? Slowly but surely, some bits of it aren't holding up. It's like the Evaldi case. There's too much weird about the election, and there was too much of an effort immediately to shut down discussion. They did not want – you saw that, right, Rod? They didn't want people talking about it. They didn't want people looking into it.
1: Yeah, you know, Philadelphia was a hotbed of uh, discussion about what's going on in the 2020 election. And we have in, – in, in the state primaries, we have uh, – we still don't have a winner, Lee, uh, Dr. Oz, and uh, I think the other guy's name, McCormick. We still don't have a winner. Uh, we have uh, the Supreme Court weighing in because we're uh, outdated ballots. Like I told you a couple of weeks ago, the um, and I'm guessing <clears> – <throat> it's well, it's coming to be true more and more. The Republicans have uh, adopted the Democrats' game of this mail-in ballots, and uh, – so we have somehow it's impossible. You know, if you think about it, either you win by one vote or you lose or you lose. You know what I mean? Like, how how does there a virtual tie uh, between Dr. Oz, who's not from Pennsylvania, and this other guy, McCormick?
0: Yes. And uh, do you have any prediction on how that's going to go? We should be a guess.
1: Yeah, it's just going to be guess. but just because uh, Trump's weighed in with Dr. Oz, and again, uh, you know, uh, in Philadelphia, there is no big Republican stronghold, so it's all, everything's outside of Philadelphia, and I don't know that too well, and I think they're putting their foot on this, so uh, let's see, but I think it's going to be Dr. Oz, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and I, I you know, to me, I don't care much, but he doesn't seem like a person of substance, in some ways. but you know celebrity matters because you start with name recognition. And in Georgia, the big celebrity there was Herschel Walker, right? right? And Herschel seems to be a grassroots republican. You know, he's, a, he's a mega rep- Republican, right? Rod.
1: Yeah, he's a he's. I think when he saw Donald Trump in 2016 election, that uh inspired him a lot. Uh, Herschel's an amazing athlete. He's, I mean, he's I think he's like 57 now, he looks like he's in his late 30s, but um, a lot of things he says, he kind of puts his foot in his mouth a little bit. So he's not the most uh, uh, it's the word I'm he's not the most polished politician. I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever going to be, but I think he's not going to be as disa- disastrous as uh, a Democrat would be.
0: And I always like not polish. I like people, you know what I'm saying? You could coach someone as a candidate, don't say anything stupid, which is don't say anything. Smile and nod and wave. You know what I'm saying? That's the best advice. If you want someone never to say anything, and especially with the attack dog media who are looking for things, and they don't wait wait for an honest mistake. They wait for something that they can twist, don't they? They, they wait for something that they can turn into a gaffe. Right? So I don't even know if some of – because I, I don't know what – because it was pro-Trump, the media was going to be looking for a gaffe. And if he doesn't make one, honestly, they'll find it. Do you agree with that, Rod?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Like I said, you know, I like Herschel. Um, I think he just wants the America of when, from when he was playing football back in the uh, late 80s and in, uh, early 90s. I think he wants to return to that. So he might, like, like you said, he's not polished and he's not going to say the right things. But I think his intentions at the end of the day are, some, are pretty genuine.
0: And speaking of which, that's a pop culture reference. But it's part of the reason that I'm going to say the Top Gun film is doing well. We're in an age right now that's so freaking crazy. Things are so nuts that something that harkens back to the 80s, obviously Top Gun. I think people want something like that. They want something that reminds them of the days when things seemed saner. Does that make sense, Rod? My psychological theory behind Top Gun success.
1: Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right about that. And um, you know, I guess you know, as as I was talking and then you were talking, I guess I yeah, I, I believe that probably is a a big reason why people are flocking out to see 60 year old Tom Cruise in a movie he made when he was in his what tw- you know, 20s or something like that. So yeah.
0: Right. And let's go to. Another Georgia caller from Atlanta 202 521 1320
3: Brave. How you doing? What is on your mind? Did you listen to the with Eddie by the way? Yeah, I heard most of it. I was working so I couldn't I couldn't uh, stay on for the for the majority I had to cut out for a quick bit, but I heard most of it. I um and it and it made me um think of a couple of reasons why I'm calling in partially that um, so on the on the Georgia voting thing, one um, I, I I'm not really necessarily a uh, Brian Kemp fan. I, I did not like him in the beginning because in the beginning I was all in for the lockdowns and all of that stuff, you know, COVID hysteria, right? But um, in in the end, as he comes as it came, once we got around the, the point of. Uh, of the uh, vaccines and the vaccine mandates and all the craziness, that's where I kind of jumped off that train. Especially people started uh, being forced to take it, or you lose your job and all of that stuff, right? So um, it's funny. I, I, as far as it, as far as Kemp goes, I didn't start I didn't start off being a Kemp fan. I'm still not a Kemp fan, but I um, and I was really I was really flipping out in the beginning when he was trying to hold out on, a, on a lock on locking down the, the state. But um, in the end, I'm kind of happy that he did go about it the way he did. And uh I, I'm not a I'm I'm not a um I am not a uh what, what's her name? Um Stacey Abrams fan. In the beginning I was kind of open to her because I saw how that the uh the Democratic Party, uh, the establishment party, was actually coming out against her when she when she was running in the primaries. And they actually put their money behind the other Stacey, um, which was uh, kind of funny. Uh, but in the end, just, once I look into her record, I, I didn't really see anything worth supporting there because she seemed like she was all in for the establishment. She wasn't in the establishment yet. And that's been proven by her support for uh, Biden, his bullcrap, and her um Proving herself to be basically an empty shirt, um, so yeah, I, I actually don't. I'm not looking forward to Stacey Abrams winning. Uh, as as far as uh, Herschel Walker goes, I don't, <laughs> I'm not with you guys on that one. I um I don't necessarily dislike the guy or anything like that, but I don't see anything positive about him, especially the fact that he refuses to um uh, to debate. I, I'm any candidate that 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 steps away from debates. I always. Uh, I, I'm a little uh, hesitant to even – I'm a little – I'm very hesitant to even consider. As a matter of fact, I'm very suspicious of. Um, and then my final point, I just jumped to my final
0: point. Now, in fairness, brave, let me just point out that he has refused to debate, but he's offered to race. Anyone wants to run against him 100 yards, he'll take him on. I'm sure he will. I'm, I'm making sure will that probably win. I'm making that up. You no,
3: that one commercial, they, they, when he starts running, they kind of do the uh, – upper body shot and it kind of cut away. So I don't know. I know how it is to get old you and your knees ain't the same. So I don't know. But I'm pretty sure he would be any of the candidates as far as racing. Um, I wanted to bring up two things. Uh, as far as the um, one more thing on the um, Georgia election and just the 2020, 20, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the last primary uh, presidential elections, I think that with, that the Republicans and the Democrats were cheating. I have nothing to hold it up. Well, the Democrats, we both, we all know we're cheating. But I think the Republicans were cheating, too, and I don't necessarily think they were cheating um, to help uh, Trump, I, which is kind of funny, right? Um, that's pure speculation. I have nothing to back it up except for the great work that ConvoCouch was doing. And then I'll, I'll shut my mouth after saying this, asking this question. Did you see that Stacey, uh, Stace, did you see that um, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, Came out and made a a statement, made a tweet against the World Economic Forum, and really called them out. Which, in my opinion, should clear the table as far as anyone that was that was down for her before, but started doubting her. So, uh, my words to Owl Killer: We are back in the game. I think that uh, I think that Tosi's I think that she's kind of cleared her name with that one, which I never doubted her anyway. Well, I'll leave it at that.
0: I think haters are going to be haters. You know what I mean? Some people want to say negative stuff about. Tulsi Gabbard. Every time I see a Tulsi Gabbard statement, I like it. I always agree with her. Every statement I see she makes, I go, that's good. I'm glad she's talking about that. And I did see the World Economic Forum. And I think the weird thing about Tulsi to me is she should be running. She has the right positions And there's a lot of things about her that make her a great candidate. She's a vet. She's in the eyes. And she's a good speaker. I prefer to see her in elective office. Or in a position, if she's not going to be in elective office, I would like her to have a podcast as big as Joe Rogan's. But I think... She's not going to have a financial backer because the positions she takes are anti-establishment. What do you think about that, Brave? We'll get to your in one second, but get Brave, what do you think about that?
3: I agree with every. I agree with everything you said. Um, she already has a pot. Well, she had set up a podcast. Um, and kind of just. Didn't do it. She was still taking. I think Kim Iverson covered this, um, and Kim and Kim kind of took issue with the fact that she was still taking money, um, not not as a as a political um, uh, personality, but as a podcaster. She was taking money, but she wasn't really producing podcasts. I support those. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for those. I, I, I agree with, you, with things you were saying. I think that she's typically right. I, I was going to ask you. How do you think, or do you think she will? Because everyone's saying that she's setting herself to run as a Republican. I don't see her going Republican. She said she wasn't. I wouldn't mind if she did, but I don't care if she runs Republican or Democrat. I know Democrats aren't going to support her. But how does she get in there? Like you said, how, how does she run and have a viable run? run because she's um, doing all the promotional work. She's keeping herself in the public eye. I just don't know where she would have a home at. Here's my
0: suggestion for Tulsa Gabbard. She can have this free. I'm looking at what the successful podcasters have done to get where they got. And Joe Rogan, for instance, you know his secret, Reefer. Am I right, Brave?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. So, smoking weed, but that's been done. She can't do that. She's in the military. She can't do that. But what she can do is drop acid. She can be the podcast host who does Molly or something. Before every episode. And she calls it. Ready? Altered consciousness. Altered political consciousness. With Tulsi Gabbard. And people would like. Just hear someone really wasted. And Tulsi Gabbard. By the way you can get that right now. You can get Molly up in. Vancouver British Columbia. They have decriminalized. All kinds of. Don't do the opioids. Because I'll say. I don't think, Rod, do you know, is there a, a point at which you can OD on Molly on MDMA?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it, you know, it causes your body to overheat, so it'll cause other effects that'll, uh, you can't, like, necessarily overdose on it. Uh, I mean, not, I'm not going to say can't, but, um, it, it you know, your brain can fry, literally. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, uh,
0: like they take mushrooms, ayahuasca, or something like that. There's... As far as I know, there's no OD point. Sure, you can take mushrooms and then go up on a building and say, I'm a bird. I can fly. And the next thing you're dead. That's a line from The White Shadow, by the way. The TV show. This is how old I am. It was a TV show that Jesse Jackson was on. And at the beginning, someone got up on a building and thought they were a bird and it could fly. Like Bill Hicks, the comedian, said, if you're on acid and you think you want to fly like a bird, do it the way birds do. Take off from the ground. Don't be dumb. You ruin it for the rest of us. But is there an OD point on mushrooms, for instance?
1: Oh, mushrooms and acid. Uh, I don't believe so. I know it'll probably do some permanent chemical imbalance to your brain if you do too much. Uh, I've seen some of those people, but I don't think there's an. Uh, I've never heard of an overdose of those.
0: So what do you think of my idea for a Tulsi Gabbard altered political consciousness? Tulsi doing mushrooms once a week on her podcast and interviewing a guest. I think it'd be awesome.
1: she got the military. Um, yeah, she's like, <laughs> like brave, saying she she can't do it because she's on the military. But if she could, uh, I think it would it would rival Joe Rogan, you know. So yeah.
0: She could do drinks. So, drink so uh, Tulsi, you can have that free. So, 202-521-1320. Let's go, Sharif, online. Welcome to My Foolishness. How are you doing, Sharif?
4: Thank you, Al, for taking my call. Uh, first of all, I'd say free joining the signs. I got three reports, three uh parts got to make with the, uh, the reports I read. And to summarize them, what's going on, because right now we're going into a dangerous song uh, dealing with the Biden administration.
0: Was that a Top Gun reference, by the way, Sharif?
4: Never mind. Well, yeah.
3: Go ahead.
4: <laughs> danger zone. by anyway. Um okay, we all know the right administration is sending over the um artillery missiles um um units over there, along maybe with the MK, MQ strike equal as well, they might be sending. Now there's a reports coming from out of um the Russian Defense Minis- Russian Defense Ministry, <coughs> excuse me, that Ukraine nationalists plan to deploy the systems in the city of Sotska in the Sami region, which they will use against the Russian um territory. Now, we all know that okay, the, also the Russian um the US State Department says that the fighting Ukraine will continue more for more months because in you know, the US is applying them. So and Russia already came out with a statement talking about, you know, Russia ready to strike the United States. Russia is ready to strike at at the United States. Foreign de- um uh, foreign minister Sergey Lavrov. Le- Re- if America decides to transfer weapons capable of reaching targets in Russia to Ukraine, the country will be forced to straight- strike in order to prevent the delivery. So any transfer of weapons to Kyiv Ka- increases the risk of the red class between Russia Federation and the United States. <clears throat> so we got the midterms coming up, Lee, right? Biden administration right. basically losing, and they're becoming very, very desperate, and they want to send these weapons anti to ship missiles and all type of stuff to um, Ukraine to win, to turn the tides for, you know, five months from now for the November election. Jerry, um, what's the name? Uh, Gerald uh, Philip Girardi came out and said that with all these weapons they send it to Ukraine, now it's like as if we're getting closer and closer to a nuclear conversation with Russia. Based on what I just read you from the Russian um, deputy person, on the foreign deputy person, that they will strike at those weapons. Now, he didn't say... Um, whether they going, going to strike them I in mean, Ukraine or maybe Poland or or Germany. So, <clears throat> right the administration, just like Philip is saying, is becoming very desperate. They're putting our lives on the line now. Um, we might have a, a wider scale in the war or something else. Maybe we might have another September 11 might happen. This nation might cause um, the United States to rearm again and cause people Put people on a uh, war footing again. But um, with all these things com- coming together like that, that's not good. And uh, we need to have more people standing up because these weapons that's going to be sent to um, Ukraine, Russia will respond in some type of way. And I don't think we're going to like that. It's just because of an election coming up, that Biden administration want to win, which is not thinking wisely by trying to transfer these sophisticated weapons over there. So we got to see how we can basically stop that by using our minds and maybe, you know, voting people out, I guess. As if we still have a a nation left at the end of the year, we ain't new. So, yeah, thank you, Lee, for taking my call. That's all I want to say. Thank you.
0: Well, I I think voting people out, in theory, is good. And you should not vote. But the odds of it working, and I'll tell you what, I've not seen Russia do this yet. What I think they're going to have to do pretty soon is if those missiles are coming in from Poland or someplace into Ukraine, Russia needs to use one of their hypersonic missiles, which just means it gets there very quick. We've not seen the hypersonic missiles yet, right, Rod? Rod? Rod?
1: Yep, yeah, no, we haven't seen them yet. Sorry, the mute button was working. But yeah, no, we haven't seen, like I said, uh, they've been very precise with this. And um, yeah, they, we haven't seen the hypersonic missiles yet.
0: And I think they might take the hypersonic missiles out to do a show of force. If, Imagine. You know, you just start to leave, and then two minutes later, boom, your shiny new American missiles are destroyed. And don't forget, those hypersonic missiles don't need to be nuclear-chipped. They can be conventional missiles. But I think Russia can show they're not playing. And it wouldn't surprise me. We're at a point where I think Russia's almost forced—the U.S. is— challenging russia and the downside is i don't think they've ever been used so i assume they work but i don't know how well they work so part of the reason they might might not want to try it is it could be less than overwhelming but i wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that would you run
1: no no leah i wouldn't you know um like we like we've been saying this whole sh- this whole show, you know, Russia's just they're they're really tired of uh, what's going on, and um, you know, it, it like Therese said, it's it's kind of getting to a little dangerous. It's getting to a way more dangerous place. to w- w- what we're going to see next?
0: So uh, by by the way, on the line do we have Peter from Chicago? Is that who's on? Okay, so Peter from Chicago calling in at two zero two five two one thirteen twenty. Peter, what's on your mind?
5: Hi, Lee. First of all, let's say free Julian Assange because I don't want to to sound alone in that message. We should all stand for that together.
0: Free Julian Assange,
5: I agree. And I want to share something with you and actually hear your opinion. It's kind of stuck deep in my mind. and, And so after the last mass shooting. And this is what I think, Uh, every time when it's a mass shooting or anything like a public terror situation, as soon as they assess it properly and, you know, kind of put the situation on the right standard, I believe this should be put it on like a war situation or wartime standard and we'll see, you're going to see what I'm going for. Pretty much in the situation of the public terror like this one or shooting like that one, everybody, especially the victims, their families, the brave people like the teachers and the, the guy from the border patrol, they should be honored on a high standard of the, let's say, a military situation and a military court. But let's talk about the coward bastard was sitting there for more than an hour. I believe those people they should hold accountable on that kind of higher standard as a military time and situation. All of them should face treason and be held accountable on that kind of higher standard because they betrayed their fellow citizens, especially the young ones. From eight, nine, and ten years old, their families, even the country, and then let's see if anybody's convicted should face the death penalty and face the firing squad. Why not
0: well, so i I'm opposed to the death penalty in general because uh I don't like that kind of power if you give the government the power to kill suspects I'm not saying some people don't deserve the death penalty I'm not one of those people who says no one deserves to die some people do but I don't like the government having that kind of power so I'm never going to agree about the death penalty just because I fear the government more than I fear any individual but uh I think there are some serious questions Being raised by that situation in Uvalde. And as we're seeing the narrative break down so quickly, they're having, they're starting to have the funerals for the 19 children and two adults who died. And they say, because there's only two mortuaries in town, their funerals are going to be going on for another week and a half. So literally, before the bodies are buried, The narrative is falling apart, and no one's explained to me how it makes any freaking sense that the police chief, who seems to be culpable, I don't want to say he's he's solely responsible, but Rod, do you think it's fair to say the police chief is culpable in what happened? Or in at least a body count.
1: Oh yeah, most definitely. Uh, I believe he he should be, you know. I don't know, you know, some type. Of, like at this guy, like our caller Peter saying there needs to be some type of investigation and more than likely a trial to uh, on first to hold somebody culpable for this. I mean, you know, you can't have people These police officers with guns scared of you know one person. You know, I mean, th- he came out and said that you know officers were scared they're going to get shoot, they were going to get shot. I mean, well, that's more of you than there is of of that one person.
0: You know, people often talk about people who are pro gun talk about the value of a good guy with a gun. You've heard that, right, Rod? Or a good woman, yeah. Right. Uh, very, very gender non-biased of you, Rod. Although, you know. If it's a traditional woman with a womb, it's a bias. But there was not a good guy with a gun on at, at the school that day. You heard they're gonna tear down the school. It's also gonna be shut down, which there's so much about this story, but I'm not convinced do Peter, yeah. unfortunately, I'm not convinced we'll ever get a real investigation, but good thoughts. Let's go to a short break, then we come back. Tyler Nixon joining us. And it's always fun when Tyler is here on The Backstory. We are back on The Backstory, 105.5 FM, AM 1390, in Washington, D.C. We're joined now by our friend Tyler Nixon. Tyler Nixon, how are you doing? Doing well. How about you, Lee? Hold
6: I'm
0: doing now. okay. Holding up? Thanks for, ah. uh, yeah, barely, but, you know, at my age, that's all I can hope for. So, Tyler, you've been around D.C. many, many years. Were you shocked at all that a D.C. jury could not get a conviction for Durham on the trial yesterday when the Durham investigation crashed and burned? Were you surprised a D.C. jury did not convict someone connected to the Democratic Party? Not in the slightest,
6: and uh, frankly, I wasn't surprised either at the way the the court conducted the uh, the proceeding, which, you know, basically allowed a jury, uh, a number of jury members with clear conflicts of interest, um, you know, and that could be for practical reasons because they know they're, they're never going to get anybody who's impartial in a city that's uh, in the, the political town, the, the swamp, uh, the government swamp that has a, I guess, a 92%, I think, Democrat registration. And of of those, I mean, these aren't moderates by any stretch, Um, you know, similar what we went through with Rogers um, Rogers trial. We couldn't find any anybody who who varied uh, in the jury pool from that uh, basic profile of a left leaning uh, Democrat, you know, and uh, varying uh, allegiance and uh, fealty or whatever you want to call it, and uh, devotion uh, to the Democrat Party and to the general uh, generally the politicians at the head of that, whether it be Obama, Clinton, and this was no exception. And I think the only way, I mean, it it really highlights, in my opinion, just the thoroughgoing political, uh, the taint, the corruption of the judiciary in that district in in DC, um, to the extent that it's so unilaterally one party um, uh, dominated that no one, Who's not of that ilk can expect to get a fair trial, and frankly, no one who's of that ilk would ever expect to be convicted. And we saw this with the, uh, you know, the comments by the jury—I guess four women—afterwards who just sort of poo-pooed the idea. That we have better things to be, you know, worried about than the FBI than someone lying to the FBI, possibly lying to the FBI. You know, they didn't take that attitude when it was Roger Stone and it was a bunch of concocted um, gotcha um, you know, offenses based on you know, the twisting up of statements that he made and you know, scrutinizing his uh, communications, private communications, Randy Credico having nothing to do with anything related to Russian collusion. And just as we saw um, in Roger Stone's trial, the uh, exclusion of evidence that basically just sort of gutted his defense so we saw the exclusion of evidence that made it difficult for prosecutors to uh connect anything uh to directly to the dragon lady behind it all hillary clinton i mean I, in my opinion the way the thing was unless they unless it's, you know, the claim is that uh, sussman was some sort of rogue satellite who just did it on his own but then was also paid for it then what you have is a conspiracy someone authorized that lawyers don't just go off and uh you know, do their own thing as far as running to the FBI and presenting evidence and then bill clients for it. So, you know, it's just it's just it completes the uh, it completes the circle in terms of uh, the our awareness. And and as if, you know, those of us who are in the know absolutely knew that this was uh, this is a kangaroo court packed and stacked with uh, partisan apparatchiks of varying degree. Even the Obama, excuse me, even the even Trump appointees or Bush appointees aren't reliable in terms of uh, you know in, administering justice. In my opinion, that would uh, in any way sort of go run afoul of the establishment's uh, the, the establishment swamp line um, or any of its major figures, such as frankly the Clintons, you know, who st- still seem to hold sway, or you know, big big uh, you know uh, powerful, so to speak, or prominent attorneys on trial. Um, and you know, I guess either way, I think Durham really, uh, I think he probably wanted to get to the bottom of it and he probably did. I mean, he did get to the bottom of it, whether he could bring criminal charges. I don't know if that, uh, he just made the calculated decision of that. He would be wasting his time trying to convict any, uh, crony or associate or underling or supporter of Hillary Clinton, uh, in the district of Columbia and, or he just basically decided that he was going to uh, bring that one case and that was going to be it. And uh, you know, the rest of these conspirators who became witnesses against Sussman could just walk free, which is what happened. Um, but I think uh, if he comes out with a report, I hope it's certainly blistering and uh, it lays all lays it all bare for history, at least. And uh, you know, the, the fact of Sussman, I mean, you got to look at the, how twisted and perverse this is. I mean, you have Roger Stone facing Convicted of seven felon- serious felony charges on the basis of a hoax concocted by Sussman at all on behalf of Hillary Clinton, the the, the bitter entitled uh, uh, loser, dragon lady, uh, bent on revenge, uh, who concocted this, and and it was only you know years after this hoax had uh, had, had just wrecked the lives of people like Roger Stone, Paul Manafort. General Flynn, uh, that we see one single person—it's you know an underling, a a, a message carrier to the FBI—even brought before the court, and in when it gets to a jury, it's just thrown out like it's nothing. You know they don't have time for it; they're not going to hear it. So,
0: uh go ahead. Hillary Clinton and a cast of Ukrainians. I'll talk about that, but I want to play a clip first. Let's get ready for the clip. This is a clip talking about the jury makeup. Roll the clip. The problem for Durham is the jury and the judge. I mean, he is facing a jury that has three Clinton donors, an AOC donor, and a woman whose daughter is on the same sports team as Sussman's daughter. I mean, the exception of randomly selecting people out of the DNC headquarters, you could not come up with a worse jury.
4: Welcome to Washington, D.C.
0: So you agree with that assessment? I Absolutely.
6: In, indeed. And it's, you know, it's just shocking that they could not, you know, I think they could not find anybody who wouldn't have those sorts of conflicts. I mean, you know, people, not many people, uh, working people, you know, jury type, juror type people, uh, who would, you know, find the general population donate to presidential campaigns. And I think, what was it? Three donors to Hillary, um, and then, of course, just the conflicts involving. I mean, the, the daughter of one of the jurors is on the same sports team or high school team as the daughter of the defendant. I mean, how are these not conflicts of interest that would immediately I mean, let's put it this way. If there was a just truly just process and, and that anybody involved cared to have a fair trial and with an impartial tribunal and an impartial jury they would have changed, they would have removed the venue to, to an, somewhere else, you know, somewhere outside, far outside of D.C., uh, as they should have done, frankly, with Roger Stone in any of these political cases. I mean, bad enough as it is just the general partisan uh, cast and the swamp allegiance of pretty much everyone involved with that district court. But when you're dealing with political cases like this, of where the all the subject matter is political, and it's the crimes of prominent figures, uh, you know the fact that they can just act as though, as as Judge Amy Berman Jackson did in Stone's trial, act as though, oh well, you know these people can. I mean, literally asking them, gee, you know, you're a Hillary donor, uh, you know, you you donated all this money to Hillary, and clearly you're, you know, you hate Donald Trump. Can you be impartial? And she would accept their just their say so as though like that's the only uh, litmus that is required. That's the that's all you need to satisfy yourself that these people have no ulterior motives. And to be honest with you, the way leftist Democrats operate as insidious and frankly uh, diabolical, underhanded, you know, uh, get Donald Trump, destroy him at all costs. I wouldn't put it past any of them to lie their way onto the jury. Just as frankly, the uh, the jur- uh, forewoman. In Stone's trial, did you know denying or uh, basically obfuscating the fact of her having made numerous social media comments uh, derogatory towards both Trump and Stone, and yet went and ran for Congress as a Democrat, and yet she she felt that she could be somehow an impartial forewoman of the jury. In other words, leading the jury, trying to uh, you know uh, as an attorney know and with that expertise as well. Um, could could be fair and impartial. It's just you know this is what we get down to where um, the Democrats view themselves as sort of these objective, uh, truth telling. Um, you know they don't they they can't comprehend their own partisanship. It's sort of you know any if you disagree with them in any way you're some sort of wild wingnut. You know how could anybody not think like that? So they have this mentality, this mob cult mentality that like anybody astray from them is somehow deviant. Yet they're just all these sort of. Uh, you know, the, the, the vicars of truth, the, the people who can uh, comprehend objective reality unlike anybody else, and that they can somehow, uh, you know, conv- convicting Donald Trump, viewing Donald Trump as a monster or Roger Stone is just simply a rational, down the main, you know, down the center objective point of view. Not even, a, not even a, an opinion, not subjective. No, that's just the truth and that's reality to them. And this is why we have such a disconnect. Where they just sort of can get away with all these sorts of conflicts of interest, all these sorts of uh, shenanigans—you know, anything goes—because they view themselves again as, no matter what they do, they're sort of upholding uh, rationality, they're upholding, um, uh, you know, integrity. That anybody who opposes them must be somehow defective, must be somehow, um, you know, off off the rails, and uh, and. Frankly, the exact opposite is true. I mean, they are the ones who are completely demented, as we can see. Um, And the fact that they're willing to have, you know, basically moral relativism as far as ethics, as far as justice, as far as civil rights and the rights of people on trial and and being subject to the awesome powers of the government to dispose of your life, liberty and property by uh, dictate from on high, you know, from these uh, black-robed bureaucrats, um, the fact that they're so just blithe about that really reflects their mentality and, and the sort of the, the warped megalomania that's just inherent in, in a, your average leftist Democrat.
0: Well, you used the term kangaroo court, and I think that's true. But I'm going to use another term that some may see as pejorative, but I think is actually drilling down more on what you said. These are show trials. Yes. Right? Absolutely. These are yeah. the trials that happen for a narrative purpose. They they did that to Roger, so they could say, convicted felon Roger Stone. Yeah. Yep. And, and anytime they yep. every, mentioned- everything,
6: Everything is for their narrative, really. Everything they do is, you know, it's all about being able to on Twitter throw back a you new, know, the president's, you know, 10,000 lies and, and, and all of his associates. How many convicted associates? Let's get the number going. They love their little tallies which if you pierce beneath the surface is just a bunch of nonsense um, and then represents the railroading of innocent people and the abuse of power uh, in unprecedented ways uh, to to basically just use the judiciary even as a weapon, as a tool of partisan retribution um, and point scoring.
0: And remember what they did. I, I know you do, but everyone should remember because I it bothers me because I know the details of Roger trial and Paul Manafort, Sue, you mentioned, I think Paul Manafort was railroaded too. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. No question. I, I, I don't like it when people say, and they're not wrong, but when they say, well, I don't agree with going after Roger Stone because sure. Roger's bad, but there's lots of people who are bad. They never would do that and I'm sure you've heard this, people who defend Roger by saying, well, he's a scoundrel, but so are Democrats, and they shouldn't be hypocrites. Roger Stone did nothing wrong. And what they did was they did not release the transcript of his testimony before the trial so people could, it was a process crime. He was claimed that he said one thing, and I think the transcript when it was eventually released shows that he didn't and that they twisted what he said, right? What What do you think about that? Tyler? You know, it's funny you say that because
6: I recently came across um, one of the audio files of the, uh, you know, in, in, within, uh, you know the the case file, so to speak, for Roger, of his uh, his testimony to the House Intelligence Committee, the actual recording, and you know I was just reminded of what a just despicable manipulator that Andrew Weissman is, in how he cherry picked and sliced and diced uh, statements made by Roger to exclude uh, qualifying statements such as "to the best of my knowledge" or "as I can best recall." or that you know, look, within the parameters of the investigation, but if you have any uh, any specific requests, we're glad to go back over. You know all these statements that Roger made that clearly qualified uh, his, you know, said these were not absolute statements, but they were they were chopped off in in, in the indictment. I was just shocked that they could get away with uh, you know taking partial statements and 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 altering. Uh, altering their sort of the the emphasis in them in order to indict somebody and charge them with felonies. Um, and, you know, for lying to who? Adam Schiff, the biggest manipulative lying sack of crap, uh, frankly, in Congress today, just about. I mean, and that's saying a lot. Um, and this man, you know, Schiff, and, here, and to, you know, do you one better. Not only did they deny Roger the transcript of it, which he was due under the rules as soon as they began Going out and violating the House Intelligence Committee rules by speaking of his case. The rules are very explicit, and they take a second oath in addition to their congressional oath, um, which you know it says they will adhere to those rules and particularly the classification um, uh, rules, which say that you shall not discuss or even cause to be discussed, disclosed, or otherwise you know uh, um, mentioned anywhere. Any sort of executive session material, not just testimony, not sworn in, executive session material is considered classified. And they literally, I mean, the uh, the, the, ch- the chairs in the committee room uh, where they uh, interrogated Roger weren't even cold from their their butts yet when when they were on the air uh, mischaracterizing his testimony, uh, you know, making all sorts of insinuations and allusions. Violating the House committee uh, uh, rules, which uh, in the rules then state that if anybody or if there's any disclosure of even any part of someone's testimony, that that person immediately has a right to a copy of the entire transcript. They denied this. And what's even worse is that they beat up uh, the Republicans for uh, the better part of 2018, claiming they're withholding these transcripts. And you know they're trying to deny the American people that you know the full picture and the full uh, the full testimony. And as soon as they got a hold of Congress scripts, and it took another year and a half before they would even uh, before they were even released. Uh, you know, uh, and of course on the claims that they had to be, uh, you know, the intelligence community had to vet them. I mean, these people are just diid evil criminals. There's no two ways about it. There's no one who is safe from them. Uh, and, and you know, if you stand between them and power and their uh, their primacy and their control in any way whatsoever.
0: And Tyler, I, I, I'm trying to say this right, but I might not be perfect about it. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things that happened was that they're trying to say Roger Stone denied speaking with Randy Credico. That's what they said. And that's a lie. Roger Stone never denied speaking with Randy Credico. He denied speaking with Randy Credico about WikiLeaks taking material because he had nothing to do with WikiLeaks taking material. He he didn't know about it till afterwards, and it's clear. But they take the fact that he denied speaking with Credico about stealing material for WikiLeaks, which he did. He never spoke to Randy Credico about that. And then they make it into. Well he denied speaking with Credico. And yeah, I'm I'm here, Tyler. And that's obvious. It was obviously not true that he never spoke with Randy Credico. And he never said that. He denied having anything to do with the WikiLeaks getting the material. Am I about right, Tyler?
6: Yeah, well, I mean what the the short of that is that. What, you know, it wasn't really a matter of Roger. I think Roger misspoke. And, you know, at the time he was trying to protect the identity of the person he was, you know, they were trying to basically by process of elimination, expose who it was he was actually communicating with, who was the, the back channel, so to speak. And he knew there was not a lot of, you know, I mean, there's, it would be very easy for them if he revealed too much information. Um, uh, to 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 nail down who that was, and I can understand at the time I mean, he's trying to protect Credico's Credico from being dragged into it. You know, and a lot of thanks he got from Credico out of that. I mean, Credico just threw him under the bus. But that being said, um, the, it was more about the way these questions were posed. Um, I listened to Schiff, and I thought, where were Rogers' attorneys at this point when Schiff was posing what are called compound questions you know they'll ask for a yes or no answer yet they will throw every single they will ask like literally multiple uh you know multiple points within a question have you ever at any time you know uh, uh spoken with communicated by text by blah blah and they add all this stuff and layer it into the question to where you know probably roger only heard maybe a third of it and then he thinks he's responding to the part you know that, that that he hears, which is like, did you do it in writing? Did you do it? Whatever, and not realizing that they had just asked him a massive compound question that they could drive a truck through. As far as if he had said no in any aspect was of it was in fact the opposite. That there you go, and that's exactly what they did. They just sliced down his testimony, and it was the what's horrible is it was the most irrelevant sort of. I mean, they they were trying to uh, drag Corsi into it or claiming, you know, Corsi was this person who, um, you know, had basically just surmised that Podesta's emails would be in there, but they, they really pulled this awful sort of like attorney sort of, uh, sleight of hand trick where they were able to use this, um, use Corsi as someone who they could point to as saying, look, look, here, Roger Stone has, has got this contact saying he's going to be visiting Assange, or he's somehow in touch with, or he has information, apparently, that's inside with WikiLeaks. Yet at the same time, they didn't call uh, Corsi to testify, and they basically sort of silently acquiesced the fact that Corsi just would, you know had no contact and was not the back channel, while at the same time they're saying that Roger somehow denied that Carpco You know, or lied and and sort of trying to cover up Credico's role as a back channel when none of them were back channels at all. The whole thing was a joke. I mean, it was just like you know, there was no evidence whatsoever, other than Credico's. uh, Basically, Credico was sort of puffing himself up with stone. Um, And (laughs) what's sad is that he led Roger to believe that he did have contacts and and good reason to believe, including living with uh, one of Assange's attorneys, that could verify uh, or validate what Assange was saying. And then when the heat got on, frankly, and and Roger said, "Well, you know, whether he whether he took it further, you know, in turn just Credico's sort of like loose relationship and 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 gossip that he had heard into a quote back channel." Um, Credico basically just denied it completely and threw Roger under the bus, and that was all these people needed to basically, you know, it was it was damned if he did, it's, it's he did, alluding that you know Stone did have a. Uh, in line to Assange and was somehow colluding with Assange, who was some Russian agent, at the same time as saying, that, you know, accepting the fact of Predico denying it and saying that Roger was lying about it. So, yeah, it was just the, the thing was, I mean, the, Roger Stone's he, indictment he, he, is a masterpiece of manipulation and trickery.
0: And you said it right there that the The key to this is that the implication that Assange was working with Russian agent and that taking that Russia hacked the material. They started from that premise, and they never proved it. They just started that. And then they tried to tie Roger into that. That phony conspiracy theory, and that's why I saw Adam Schiff you. I was in the room when Adam Schiff said Roger Stone was working basically. He implied and I think stated clearly. That Roger was working with,
3: yeah. Go ahead. Jackie
6: Spear, and Jackie Spear did so same thing. Um, It was that March. He basically sketched out the outline of their the hoax of the fake accusations uh, on which they, you know, basically built lies over the next two years.
0: Now, I think the good thing that comes out of these trials, including the failed Durham prosecution where he was felt not guilty yesterday. But I think the good thing that comes out of that, in these trials, a lot of good material comes out that then someone could take and put into a book or movie. And I think that's the best thing about these trials. They give you factual material that you can use to piece together the real truth. What do you think about that? Tyler?
6: Yeah, well, I think that's definitely going to be the case with this uh... You know, the Durham investigation, because, I mean, it has to be sort of, you know, it's kind of hard to bring no charges at all and then issue a report, a damning report. So you know I think if for, for there to be uh, regardless of what whether Sussman was acquitted or not, I mean, I think we know that the, he was not acquitted on the. I mean he, he had they dead to rights had him lying to the FBI. There's no question he lied. I mean, he and then denied it, uh, you know, and they tried. I mean, this is just the kind of monstrous lies that are consequential. That they're able to just just uh state and get away with and we're all supposed to accept that. That that you know, and, and these apparent jurors, you know, we've got jury nullification in favor of permissive criminality because it's uh, you know, one of Hillary Clinton's uh, lawyer schlubs going in there and trying to gaslight the or mislead the FBI. Yeah, because you know that if that now, was Tyler, anybody.
0: Tyler, even- I know you'd be honest and blunt. So feel free to be honest and blunt. Did you ever think <laughs> as low an opinion as you had of the Democrats, did you ever think the Democrats would be this dangerous? Be honest.
6: Oh, no, they have exceeded. I mean, I I said when I started, you know, posing them as in 1984, I always thought it was like, you know, sort of just conventional political adversarial, uh, you know, combat, whatever you want to call it. I never thought that I'd be dealing with literal fascist uh, criminals. In, in the Democrats, I mean, I, you know, I, I sort of had, uh, um, you know, sort of glimpses, glimpses of it when Newt came into office, when Newt, I was working for Newt when he was Republican whip and then he became Speaker. The lies that they just serially put out and the viciousness and the ruthlessness. I mean, you know, if you
0: stand and Tyler, between any, any Democrat. I think a lot of people are people feeling that way now. We're out of time, unfortunately, yeah. but a great appearance by Tyler Nixon. Love having you on the show. Thanks for being on. Thanks to Addy Ads. Thank you. And thanks to all of our callers today. Great show. Although I said a lot of stupid stuff, anytime you had a Sergey Leveroff pooping in the bed joke and Tulsi Gabbard dropping acid on a podcast, it's my kind of show. We'll be back tomorrow on the backstory.